In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We have reached the final week of the regular season. We've also finally reached Toronto's game against the Edmonton Elks. And JB, I'm way more excited about this game than I thought I was going to be in a much different way than I thought I was going to be. So coming into this game, I was dreading the idea of having to face all of these former Toronto Argonauts and have the game really mean something, have first place hanging in the balance. But we can relax and enjoy this Tuesday night extravaganza, uh, knowing that the Argos have absolutely nothing to lose. And we get the excitement of being able to watch all these new guys coming in. So I know this probably isn't better from a broadcasting standpoint, but for me personally, I'm I'm really excited about the game and I don't think there's much that can happen in it that'll disappoint me or make me upset. No, it's a perfect scenario. Uh, you get the rest and most of the starters. Bench guys get a chance to shine. Um, we get to treat Edmonton as an exhibition for forcing us to have this stupid game on a Tuesday. I think it's all it's all upside. We'll cover our news and notes, plus we'll get to some injury news. Then we'll look at some of the Elks that we want to keep an eye on in this game for interest's sake. And then there's a ton of Argos that we want to highlight for you to watch in this game. Some guys I've been waiting all year to see, so uh, make sure you stick around for that. We'll get to one thing and we'll do our prediction for the game. There's no OCDC this week. JB, your favorite segment. It doesn't really fit into this episode because it's... It is almost like a preseason game. I wouldn't even know how to begin with a, an OCDC segment because I, I don't know exactly what we're going to see from either side and what the purpose really is. So I think it's probably going to be a pretty generic offense and defense from both sides of the ball because this really does look like a preseason roster in a lot of ways for, for both teams. Now, to be fair, Edmonton's roster has looked like a preseason roster for most of the year. All right, let's get into news and notes. JB, the first thing I want to lead with, uh, I enjoy Three Down Nation. I think they they do a great job with so many different things. I love that it's an around-the-clock source for CFL. I would like to take issue with their power rankings this week. The power rankings came out. They have Winnipeg first, which I have no complaints about whatsoever. But then you have Saskatchewan, Calgary, finally Toronto in fourth followed by Hamilton and then Montreal. JB, what is going on in the Three Down Nation power rankings? Mm, mm, Seems more like pander rankings from where (laughs) I sit. I don't think three Western teams at one, two, three um, makes any sense. I think uh, Winnipeg at one, uh, I would put, I would probably put um, Saskatchewan at two, just ahead of Toronto at three. But I would put Montreal ahead of Calgary. Uh, I think Montreal is really good. I think people are sleeping on Montreal. I I don't see any weaknesses. I think Montreal is going to take Hamilton to the cleaners in that playoff game, whether it's in Montreal or not. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think I think Montreal is a really good team. They they scare me. I would rather at this point play the. I was gonna say I'd rather play Hamilton. I don't really want to play Hamilton again for a fifth time, just because I'm I'm really tired of playing Hamilton, and I kind of think the Argos have sort of proven themselves in that. So I do want to play Montreal. That's oh said, yeah, I think you. I mean, you want to play a good team. I think you want to play a good team. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you can't beat Montreal, well, then you weren't gonna beat Winnipeg. But uh, yeah, I'm, I agree. I think Montreal poses um, a significant challenge. I'd, I'd really be, I'd really be surprised if it was not Montreal in the Eastern Final with us. And if you were doing, I know we're not doing our, our power rankings. We haven't done them since our midseason run. We'll probably do a postseason power ranking. But like, if I were doing them here, I think I would have both. Toronto and Montreal in the top four. I think I'd have the Blue Bombers one. I probably have Saskatchewan two. I don't think I would have Calgary up there yet. I know they've been playing really well as of late. And I'm not saying they slipped that far down. I still think they're ahead of Hamilton. But yeah, I, I yeah, don't see I'd, how you I'd don't have, have Calgary at least five, three. Hamilton six. Yeah, that works. That works for me. And yeah, that's just yeah, this... Western Canadian pandering. Well, but I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't think that's the objective. Now, if the objective is to get some conversation, then a round of applause for, for three down nation. Cause they certainly did that. Uh, but yeah, I saw these rankings and <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe I kept scrolling down and like, wait, wait a yeah, second, where's, the where's third Toronto place here? team in the West is not better than the first place team in the East. What kind of gibberish is that? And not that it, it can't be, there's a world in which that can happen, but this is not that world. So yeah, I, nope. I, didn't know what to make of this, but yeah, I kept I scrolled back up and checked the date, thinking I had I had missed something or I'd clicked on the wrong link. But you know, there we are. Other news and notes, JB. This came as a bit of a surprise to me. The Argos put out a graphic congratulating McLeod Bethel Thompson on becoming the seventh all-time leading passer in terms of passing yards for the Toronto Argonauts. That on the surface kind of shocked me, and I don't know where I expected him to be. It makes sense when you think about. The fact that he's been with the team since 2017, not all starts within there, obviously. But yeah, he's in seventh place. He just passed Wally Gabler, uh, who was who was now eighth. McLeod right now with 8,530 passing yards. I guess what sort of surprises me is that for as long as for as long as they've been keeping stats uh, on passing yards, I guess I'm surprised that somebody that's only played a few seasons. In that 8,000 yard number, I'm surprised it's it's that high all time. But then when you look up the list a little bit, you've got Doug Flutie, who's fourth all time. And he was only in Toronto for two seasons. So, you know, I guess that's that's how it goes. But that, yeah, that whole thing is surprising. And obviously, Ricky Ray is is way up at the top, 4,000 yards ahead of anybody else. And Conridge Holloway's two, Damon Allen three, Flutie is four, Tobin Rope fifth, which is a really cool achievement because that's through that's through three seasons in the 60s which uh you know tells you how impressive that is and maybe Kerwin Bell's 8800 is is pretty impressive in at number 6 considering i think he's got three seasons in Toronto too so yeah it just i i, I don't know what i expected i i thought that list would look very different i didn't think McLeod would be as high but I would have I would have guessed that all of these numbers would be way off where they actually are. Well, I'm excited for the ceremony when McLeod passes Bell and uh, has a football spiked into his groin. 
well, that's what you have to do. Everyone that passes Kerwin Bell on the list has to, as a celebration, grab the nearest football and spike it directly into their groin. Yeah, it's going to so, be it's going it's going to be really uh, a beautiful ceremony. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I will remind McLeod of this at the next press conference. <laughs> so, I, also I, someone will have to. Also, uh, Charleston Hughes has to push him to the ground. Oh, yeah, that's still that that. That video still to this day makes me laugh and shake my head every time I see it. And I've, I've seen that now, I don't know, over a over hundred times, I'm sure. And every time I see it, I just think that's, that's one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest and most horrible football moments ever. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm proud of the fact that it's a Toronto Argonaut or not. I guess I'm not, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's something endearing about it, I suppose. For other news and notes, uh, how about a shout out to Sam Baker, JB? Did you see him uh, tearing it up out west with the Saskatchewan Huskies? Uh, that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, you know, the the draft has they've crushed it in the draft. No two ways about it. Um, I think I think that props have to go to to the scouting department and to the franchise because you know uh, CFL drafts are not necessarily where you find all your talent you know like a lot of times you can look at past drafts and not recognize any of the names um so the fact that they seem to be generating starting cfl players and now potentially another guy who could really be something i think uh, i think really speaks to the success they've had it's, it's been pretty impressive yeah, these last two drafts are spectacular. And I don't think there's much question right now that Toronto, now not all of this is through the draft, but the current Argos have the most talented Canadians on their roster. I don't think you can, I don't really don't think you can argue that. And and not to mention, like, add into that Curly Gittins Jr., who, you know, he, he wasn't even someone that people were thinking about coming into this year as being among those. But yeah, the, the last two draft classes have been, have been spectacular. And you know, Sam Baker decided during training camp to go back to school for another year. Uh, I was surprised because I thought I was expecting Josh Haggerty to go back to school for a year. I, I figured, you know, when he was drafted and watching his film, I thought, you know, this guy, you know, he's not ready yet. And and, and there suddenly is Haggerty. Not only is he addressing for almost every game, he's actually out there. He starts for a couple games. He's getting playing time. He's a huge special teams contributor. And now you've got Sam Baker who decided to go back to school for a year, which I think was a great decision. He was uh, he was kind of in between positions during training camp they ended up settling on him as as a fullback which he isn't that's really not what he is he's he's a very big guy um and he's got a lot of different talents he can long snap and he, he is a really good uh possession receiver although i know the huskies like to send him deep but um yeah he can do whatever you ask him to just a great athlete so Watching him out there with another year of size and strength, he knows now what he's got to go work on. It's such a huge thing for these guys that come in for a season that get to experience an offseason, experience a training camp, go back to their university programs with a specific goal in mind. And we've seen a number of players do this, come back and have success. So, yeah, hoping that Sam Baker can do that same thing because he was, I think he was a sixth round pick, I think, in, in 2020. And, and you think of the, the, the value you're getting from these later rounds, which are normally, it, it's not even a sure thing after, even the first round isn't a sure thing. Uh, and so, yeah, to get all the value that the Argos have these last two drafts, yeah, incredible. All right, let's move on to our injury news and notes. 
couple of things here that are of interest. I think the most interesting, and we'll get to the Argos depth chart for the game against Edmonton in a little bit, but one of the uh, most important details on the Argos depth chart is that Eric Rogers is dressing for this game. He has been taken off the six-game injury list. We haven't seen Eric Rogers now in, I guess, almost two months. And he's going to be back on the field tomorrow. Now, I don't know if he's going to get in the game. I kind of hope he doesn't. Uh, I think it would be best if we don't have anyone out there that doesn't need to be out there in this game. I just don't want to risk anyone getting hurt. Rogers coming back from a hamstring injury. Great. Have him out there doing, you know, going through the motions. But the fact that he's uh, back and healthy enough to dress for this game, knowing that there's not uh, an important game to be played for the Toronto Argonauts until December 5th, Awesome. So that's really good news to know that the Argos are going to have him back. Now, the other thing that's of interest, if you go to the Argonauts a website, argonauts.ca slash roster and bring up the roster, it's such a weird picture because they've got to juggle some things around. Because there's, there's such a short turnaround for this game, the teams and the Players Association agreed that both teams could dress five extra guys. So normally you dress 46 there's one healthy scratch right before the game to get down to 45. Here, they're allowed to dress 51 and scratch down to 50. And when you look at the the way that they've drawn this up, some of it's because of that, some of it's because they've got to do some, some clever juggling. You've got a lot of people on the active roster. We've got our 56 there on the active roster. And sorry, our 51 on the active roster. But there is a ton of guys on the one-game injured list. There's still a ton of guys on the six-game injured list, which that's uh, you know another problem. Those guys have been there for a while, a lot of them. And then there is the practice squad consisting of one Eric Mezzalira, uh, who is currently listed as the only guy on a lonely practice squad. But look at the one-game injured list. Most of these guys, you know, are they injured? Uh, you know, most of these guys could play. Most of these guys just did play, but you need to make room and you need to be creative. Now, it's not really being sneaky. I think any one of these guys certainly is banged up after a long football season. Probably Boris Beattie's the only name on this list that, uh, you know, isn't a nursing bumps and bruises. And even Boris for that point, you know, he's he's been active and engaged and, you know, probably needs the rest as well. So I don't think this is an exaggeration, but they're not normally injuries that would land you on the one game injured list. But on that list, you've got Boris Beattie, Darius Bladek, Ricky Collins Jr., Deveris Daniels, Tristan Deku, Fabian Foote, DJ Foster, Curly Gittens Jr., Charleston Hughes, Cadero Law, Enoch Mwamba, Tommy Neald, Sean Oakman, Jamal Peters, Asnel Robo, uh, Javon Tate, and Chandler Worthy. So basically, the starters on both sides of the ball are on the one-game injured list. On the six-gamer, guys that we're hoping to come back soon, we haven't received an update on in a while. There you're looking at Jamal Campbell, which which would be huge. And, you know, we'll talk about, uh, I, I guess... One of the more interesting guys to look at this week, we'll talk about um, uh, Coleman uh, starting at right tackle this week in a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see what what he can bring. Uh, Other guys hoping to come back, Dexter McCoyle, we'd love to see him back, Drake Nevis, Peter Nicastro. These guys are are real potential game changers. Um, And so those are the people on the sixth game where you're hoping that earning that extra time, not having a game till December 5th, that will buy these guys time to heal up. But it's such a weird looking roster right now because of the strange conditions of this game. Moving on to the Elks to watch for this week. So 
JB, we're not going to see Nick Arbuckle. Are you surprised by that decision? <laughs> uh, I'm disappointed. I, I was actually really, you know, in a good way. I was really hoping to see, you know, what he had and uh, to take a look at him and, uh, you know, give him a shot to, you know, to light us on fire when it doesn't really matter. Uh, but it, it, it makes sense to me. There, there's no there's no upside you know, you bring in Arbuckle and he beats the BC squad. Well, that doesn't mean anything. And you bring him in and he loses to the BC squad. And suddenly you've paid, you know, $300,000 for a problem. Um, so it makes sense to me that Edmonton would would keep him uh, hidden. It, it didn't make sense to me that they gave him all that money. Uh, but this makes sense to me. So I guess Edmonton is uh, one for two with me. Well, giving all the money is a little bit misleading because the way that, well, for any CFL contract in general, but I gather that the way Arbuckle's contract is structured is that they can get out of it right up until the season starts. So I don't <laughs> think any money is due until the start of the season. I believe that's, that's what we've gotten the details of the contract. Yeah, but but like you're saying, the from an Edmonton point of view, that's a fan base that doesn't need anything else to get angry about. And that's a an an organization from the coaching staff to the ownership to the executives that just don't need any more things to get set on fire. And if he, if he came in and played against Toronto's practice squad and looked terrible or lost, then all you're going to hear about in, you know, because this is, this is it for them, right? They're, they're wrapping things up at the end of the week with their next game in a few more days. Um, but yeah, that's all anyone at Edmonton would talk about with regards to the Elks. If they were even talking about the Elks at all is, did we just pay all this money for, for this? Uh, and like you, I'm, I'm disappointed. I like Nick Arbuckle. I think he's a good player. I was really excited to see him come in and play and, and I was excited to see him come in and play well. I didn't want the game to mean anything, but I did want Ar- Arbuckle to come in. And he, I, I feel like he's, he deserves that shot. He deserves success. And, and to, to see it like that in front of the Toronto fans, I think would have been really cool, it, especially to have Toronto somehow pull it out with Arbuckle playing a great game. I think that would have been the best of, of all worlds well, there. Maybe but. we can bring him in you know, for the home opener next year when we uh, unfurl the banner. And, uh, you know, Arbuckle can uh, bring his Elks and take a shot at the champ. I'd be fine with that, too. So Elks that are starting that are of note. So James Wilder Jr. Uh, is uh, a guy I'm excited about seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, he's 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 always fun to watch. I, I, I've always gotten along really well with James Wilder Jr. And I think he's I, I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's looked really good on a team this year that hasn't at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see him have a good head. I expect him to have a pretty good game, too. Then you've got uh, the dual receiving threat uh, on the boundary side of Armani Edwards and Darrell Walker. Uh, Darrell Walker has not had the season that they were hoping in Edmonton. He hasn't got it going at all. I don't think he has a touchdown pass this year, which is incredible to think about. You know, he was the most sought after free agent receiver in 2019 and he's it's a combination of being used in an odd way i don't fully understand the way that they're using him in that 
in that offense. And I don't like the idea of him playing on the inside, um, playing as a slot back. I think he's he's an outside guy. But, you know, for this game, he's going to be lined up as a slot in the boundary side. Armani Edwards on the outside. So I'm excited to see both those guys. I, I like both those players. They, they've had a disappointing season along with most of the rest of the Elks. But we'll see what they've got. And then starting boundary halfback, Tremaine Washington, who... I, I don't have a lot of fond memories of simply because he was on a secondary that was getting torched week after week in 2019. And he was part of that that terrible road game in BC that still haunts me, that 55 to 8 shellacking that the Argos took at the hands of the Lions. So, you know, still nice to have him back there. And, uh, you know, we can you know, quietly cheer on these four former Argos in still hoping that the Argos come out on top. I feel like that we're looking at Edmonton the way Calgary looks at us. And you're like, what, what is your problem? Why are you stalking me? Why, why is your team just my old team? It was worse earlier in the year, but I get that. And people from Calgary do say that a lot. Anytime <laughs> there's a congratulatory tweet or something about the Argos, they're like, yeah, we'll take all the former Stampeders and you do have a good team. Well, I think we, were, I think we have stolen uh, more wisely. Well, it makes sense like, to steal from the Calgary Stampeders who haven't missed the playoffs in 16 years or to steal from one of the worst Argos teams of all time uh, in 2019. It's not a mystery as to what happened in Edmonton this year from that standpoint. No, maybe, uh, maybe, you know, maybe they didn't have cable in 2019. <laughs> yeah, you, you do wonder about some of these decisions. But uh, yeah, I guess there were... There were some deals to be made, and uh, I don't know. I, I can't even begin to explain what's happened to Edmonton this year. I I did not think they would be the disaster that they are. Even looking at their roster preseason, I liked, you know, I really liked Elizondo coming into the year, and, and I don't really like the, the some of the decisions he's made. I don't like how he sort of forced some of the the this offensive system in a group that doesn't really run it that way it just doesn't it, none of it made sense to me and their personnel moves didn't make sense Not, nothing they've done from i don't think he's back no I, I wouldn't be surprised i just haven't seen edmonton get much better they haven't they haven't progressed they don't they don't seem to have a strength uh, i didn't think their roster was as bad as ottawa uh, at the beginning of the year but you know, Edmonton, you know, Edmonton's not Ottawa. <laughs> They're going to demand a good team. They're not going to be like, oh, I guess we're a bad team for five years. Like, that is not going to fly in Edmonton. So I would imagine pressure is on to turn that thing around uh, pronto. I, I can't imagine that Edmonton was happy being uh, kicked around by the Western Conference all year. <laughs> I'm sure they weren't. Well, and they mentioned, Marsha Mello were talking about this this morning uh, on their podcast that tuning into the soccer game on the weekend to see 50,000 people in Commonwealth Stadium was a sight that looked bizarre uh, considering all of the heartache that the Elks fans have gone through this year and how empty that stadium has gotten for a stadium that isn't typically empty. Like the Elks draw well in years past, but it was just so bad this year that that even those, those diehard Edmonton fans were not coming out, so... Uh, yeah, hope for, hope I hope for their, their sake. You know, I, I don't like there to be any miserable team in the CFL. I'd be fine if it was Hamilton, but any team other than that, I don't I don't want them to be terrible. I, that doesn't do anything good for the league. It's not entertaining. And so I hope the Elks can get it together. I hope Arbuckle is their guy. I hope they can go forward and, you know, do well and compete in the West. But 
you just can't string seasons like this one together. And so, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this, maybe that's it for this coaching staff. It, it wouldn't shock me. All right, let's turn our attention to the Toronto Argonauts. JB, I can't wait to see some of these guys out here. Some of these guys we've been watching since training camp. You and I have been at, at practices and all sorts, and we get to see these guys play. But it's like, you know, getting to share that with other people now. Getting uh, fans who haven't had a chance to see these guys on the field finally get to see some of them. So let's go through these positional groups. And I think we'll start with quarterback. So uh, Pipkin's getting the start. That's not a surprise. But let's not forget about the backup for this game, uh, Cole McDonald, who I think is going to get in there. So uh, what do you think about the, the Pipkin start, first of all? Yeah, he's definitely earned it. I thought I thought he played fantastic last game. I think he gives the real energy to the offense. I think the team feeds off him uh, in the red zone. He, he's earned the start. I, I worry a little because it's still live contact. You know, it's not an exhibition game. And I worry a little bit about that line. So I hope that they don't call any long developing plays. I'd like Pipkin to get the ball out of his hands quickly um, and be fresh and ready to go. But uh, I'm happy to see him get the start. I just, you know, let's be, you know, let's be uh, smart about about the play call because, you know, Edmonton is still coming with the, violence in their hearts on the line so let's not leave Pipkin out there to get crushed I would hope that Cole McDonald gets some serious run in this game I'm hoping he gets at least a half I would be fine seeing Pipkin for a quarter and then having Cole McDonald take it home because I think we know what Antonio Pipkin is we we like him we know what he's got it would be great to see him out there as you said he he's earned this he deserves a start and some time let him get out there and really throw the ball around though too not just not just the stuff that he's in there for when he's backing up McLeod um, Bethel Thompson, where he's running that five-yard running offense. I want to see I want to see Pipkin throw because he's not just a running quarterback. He's earned the chance to do that. Let him show what he can do to other teams as well. I think that's just fair to him. He's done everything that was asked of him this year. Let him show off a little bit because there are a lot of teams around this league that do not have a quarterback as talented as Antonio Pipkin. So let him show that off a little bit. And, I mean, Cole McDonald still has his farm to fall back on if it doesn't work out in the second half. E-I-E-I-O. No, but in truth, Cole McDonald is, he's an exciting quarterback, and he's a guy that looks great in practice. He can throw and run. He's a pretty tall guy. He's listed at 6'4". Somehow he looks taller than that. I'm not sure quite why. But, yeah, he's big, Uh, huge arm, uh, runs well. He'll be exciting to watch. I wonder if they show him. They might not. They might not be interested in showcasing uh, Fajardo 2.0 to the league. Well, but they did it last year with, you know, you've got to assess at some point. You've got to see what you've got. Remember at, in 2019 at the end, those last two games where they were running out there with Dakota Prukop and Michael yeah, O'Connor. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think that. I think if they think they have something, they do not play him. I think if they're like, eh, I don't think so, then they let him rock. You know, but, no, but you, if, but you he, have if to they know. think he's something, uh, wh- why would you showcase him to the league? Somebody's just going to yank him. Because thinking he's something and then seeing them actually do it in a game is different. So, like, he can look great in practice, but they can't. Like, what what are they going to do? Go into next year saying he's our guy? There's no no chance they can do that. So you've got to see him out there. You got to see him play. And that's what they did with like with Prukop. I, I think they were probably sorry to lose Prukop. I really liked him. You know, I, I'm very high on him. But I think that seeing both well, Michael O'Connor and... You're also high on, what's his name, in Ottawa, too, so... 
No, I was on Evans. <laughs> no. Oh, Duck. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not high on him. I just think he's, I think he, you can work with him, but mm. I'm not excited about Duck Hodges. But getting back to Prukop and O'Connor, I think getting to see them play, I think they decided in watching that, that Michael O'Connor was not somebody that they were willing to, to, to go to war with as, the, as their guy. And they obviously decided Dakota Prukop hadn't shown enough either. Now, I thought Prokop uh, showed himself better than O'Connor did, but ultimately the Yargos needed to see that. And while those guys may still turn into something, they knew after watching those games that, okay, this is not our, neither of these guys is our number one going forward. We've got to go out and get something. And so I think you've got to see what you have in, in Cole McDonald. And I'm not suggesting that he is going to be a number one, but but we don't know. Because like you've, you've said before, like there are, Guys that that do come out of nowhere, kind of. Not that Cody Fajardo came out of nowhere, but Cody Fajardo, Trevor Harris. We've talked, you know, at great length about all of these former, all of Ricky Ray's backups that that went on to to do great things. So, yeah, I I would like to see him get some really, you know, some serious time, and let's let's see what we've got in him. Uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson is dressed. He is going to be the number three QB. He may end up being the the pregame scratch. So we'll we'll see how that works. Uh, the offensive line has got some uh, some interesting names on it. So uh, we talked about Coleman at right tackle. Uh, this is to get him some time, get him acclimated a little bit. As a veteran, he knows exactly you know what he's doing. But you still he hasn't played football this year. Let's let's just see and make sure he's still got something left in the tank there at right tackle. And I think it's pretty cool that he's going to be lined up beside uh, Theron Churchill, uh, who's going to get the start at right guard, uh, a player that. We've seen at points during the season, uh, but sort of in relief, and he's been used as a as a blocking tight end. And it'd be nice to see him get a full game at right guard next to the veteran in Coleman. And then the center, Jonathan Zamora, my, my guy. Uh, so he's going to get the start at center. Uh, Jeff Blake's going to back him up, but hopefully Zamora can run that whole game. And I'm really interested to see what he looks like at center. He's had a few weeks now to learn the offense, to familiarize himself with uh, with what uh, Coach McAdoo is doing. And then you've got Shane Richards on the other side at guard, uh, who has gotten, has actually ended up with uh, a lot of time, um, a lot of playing time this year, way more than I think people expected. And then at left tackle, uh, Martez Ivey, uh, who, who we signed recently out of Florida. So <laughs> that's, that's a lot of new beef on that line. Well, what are you going to do, though? Of course it is. I know, but I'm just saying, I don't. Pipkin better not look for any pass longer than ten yards. But at least you're going up against the. You're not even going against the the A team on Edmonton's defense. They've made so many moves. There's so many guys out that that they've they're down. They're they're not as they're not going as practice squad heavy as Toronto is. But Toronto is such a deep team, and I know this line is untested, but like Coleman. Coleman's a vet. He's going to be fine at right tackle. Zamora is a is a high draft pick. Uh, he's he's not as high a draft pick as as Nicastro, But you were going out to start the year with Nicastro at center to have Zamora, who's two drafts old and has had some time this year. I, I don't think that's weird. R- Richards has been out there a lot this year. Churchill's been out there a lot this year. It's really just Martez Ivy uh, at left tackle uh, yeah. who who is is brand new. I know the names are new, but I'm not that I'm not that worried about this line. All right. And then the receiving core 
So we got Josh Huff, who's going to start at X. Uh, I'm excited about uh, Damien Jean-Pierre uh, is back and healthy, and he's going to get the start at uh, boundary slot at the W. Um, they're going with uh, Dejan Brissett, uh, starting on the other side next to Cam Phillips. So Cam Phillips is uh, playing the number three to the field side. He's a guy that I think there are going to be a lot of eyes on because everyone has been wondering why he hasn't gotten on the field this year. And I think, you know, we can we can see maybe uh, if he's got something and maybe he's a gamer. He hasn't looked amazing in practice, to be honest. And and that's, I, I think, why he hasn't been on the, the roster. But some guys just don't. And now we get a chance. He's going to get the start. So let's let's see what he can do at that number three spot on the field side. And then rounding off the receivers at Z, we got the Canadian Brian Jones, uh, who's going to get the start there. So um, hopefully Breskison, who's backing up Brissett, doesn't need to come in. Hopefully Drez Anderson doesn't need to come in for, for Huff and Rogers doesn't need to come in for Jean-Pierre. But yeah, I'm excited to see what, what those five guys can do out there. But especially I'm going to have uh, be playing close attention to, to Huff and to Phillips. The running back picture, uh, a little bit more known, I guess, in that the starter is going to be uh, Wallet, who's pretty fresh after only getting a few carries uh, in a Friday night's game. So I, I, I guess I, I, I'm a little worried about that because he is going to be, he's going to, we're assuming he's going to be one of the guys, right? It's going to be Wallet and, and Foster. And you know how dangerous a position running back is. Would you be surprised if Wallet gets that many carries? Uh, yeah, no, I, I expect them to. I, I think I think they're looking to, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be easy sledding out there, but I think they're looking to put some miles on him. You know, he's 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 pretty fresh for this late in the season. Um, I, I, I don't mind it. Um, I think you want to kind of, you want to push this. My, I mean, really, you're like, okay, look, maybe, I mean, can you get somebody in at this late date? I don't know, but. I think you want to get as much film as you can on him today to really, really get a sense of is this guy a, a starter that we can roll out there or not. So, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I think that makes sense. And Cam Scarlett is going to be his backup, who I'm kind of interested to see. So I actually hope Scarlett gets more carries than Willette because I, I know that Scarlett's probably not going to be a guy that gets used, uh, you know, hopefully knocking on wood too, because if he comes in, it means someone's been hurt. So uh, I, I think I would like to see what he is. We haven't had a chance to see him yet. Let's see what he can do. And that's more like with a lot of these guys, that's something we're looking at for next year. And then these special teams, one of the guys I'm most excited about is Tashiki Sato coming in as kicker and punter for this game. He's really excited about it. And, you know, you and I, we've, we've seen him at, at practice all year long. He puts in the work. He does everything that's asked of him. I couldn't be happier for this guy that he's getting his shot. And not only that, this is the way to do it. You saw what happened with other global kickers, punters. You saw what happened in BC to start the season. Those are the wrong ways to handle someone coming into a new environment. This is perfect for Tashiki Seto where he's got no pressure on him. It's the last game of the season, a game that doesn't matter. Go out there. You've had a full year of training camp and practice and practice and practice. Go out there and kick. Let's see what you got. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for the kid. I think he's, you know, he's been grinding all year. And like Pipkin, it's great to see him uh, be given a shot. And we'll see, because even a uh, uh, pseudo-exhibition game is live ammo. So we'll see how those punts go, because that's a, that's a different 
that's a different thing when you're out there and uh, guys are coming with hate in their heart. A lot less excitement on the defensive side because they've had so many injuries. We've seen most of these guys at some point before anyway. So you've got you know Shane Ray, you've got Hendricks, Ely, and Feeney. Those are your starting uh, defensive linemen. And those guys have all started at some point this year. I don't know if Hendricks has had a start, but he's, def- he's, he's had playing time. So that's not that new. Cameron Judge is, is starting at will, which... Makes me nervous because I just don't want anything to happen to him. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I would imagine Coach Coach Jones was not interested in backup Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, he seems to have been less interested than than the <laughs> offensive coaches because there are some names here where like, oh, okay, okay, we're gonna address him. Fine, uh, okay. And then uh, Tuggle's gonna start at middle linebacker, uh, which is good. Get uh, Enoch Muamba some rest. Uh, how about Hegarty getting the start at Sam backer? So that's a position I haven't seen him play even in practice. So that, that's an interesting one. Hmm. Um, he's going to start Edwards is backing him up, but hopefully Edwards doesn't have to get into the game. And then along the, uh, defensive backfield, we got, uh, Robertson Daniel, who we have not seen since week one, I guess when he got injured in week one, he's going to get the start at boundary corner. We've got Jalen Collins, who's moving over to boundary half. Shaq is dressing. He's going to back him up. By the way, can we just take a moment to acknowledge that nobody has thrown a pass in the direction of Shaq Richardson this season <laughs> and how well he's played this year without yeah. making waves. Like, he hasn't been on the stat sheet because they haven't gone anywhere near Shaq. He's got to be one of the most valuable players that no one has mentioned this year. Yeah, it's funny with, with DBs. I mean, I remember uh, Revis used to have the same issue. Uh, because he just didn't have any stats. There were no targets. You know, just guys didn't look at him. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, I think Shaq has played fantastic. And as the season has gone on, teams have just decided to to attack more inexperienced corners in the secondary. So um, it's been a real, it's been a fantastic veteran performance by Shaq. And I think he's you know he's he's a leader in that secondary, and I think you you get that sense of it being a unit, and the other units have not coalesced as well as the secondary. So I think a lot of that is credit to Shaq. Yeah, for sure. And the field side is staying pretty much the same as as it was left on Friday night uh, after the injury to Tristan Deku. So we got Kresden Butler. Uh, at free, Jeff Rich is going to play field half and Matt Boateng at field corner. <laughs> I, are you nervous about all these starters on defense that are out there? No, I just, I just want to know what the email was when they're like, Coach Jones. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Well, Never I wonder if that. it's that, uh, but I wonder if it's that he's still, because, you know, he, I guess he's been with the team for a long time now, but. But it's it's still not a full season. Like, as he maybe look at this, as he wants a lot of his main guys out there because he's still working on stuff. He's still evaluating. He's still putting things in. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's just not wired this way. <laughs> ah, maybe he has no interest in letting Edmonton win a game. <laughs> well, I think that's possible as well. So yeah. that's that's fine with me. I guess. Yeah. I just no, if I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I just okay don't. With it too. I mean, I think. Look, you you play smart, but but they're you know the. Guys can trip coming out of the shower. I mean, I think, I think you, you're you're smart, but I mean, football is football. You put guys out and and you hope nothing happens. But uh, you know, I don't think there you can't wrap people up and hope that nothing ever happens because it's just not not how it goes. Guys can play a whole season, and be fine. Guys can play one game and and get knocked out. You know, it's just 
I think you, I have no problem with, uh, you know, with the starting guys keeping a spine to the team so that Tuesday doesn't devolve into a, you know, a fourth preseason game. Well, it's something that people are worried about because it's a long time between games. This isn't a true week 16 game because it's on Tuesday. It's not, it's not really the same as playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're not playing again until December 5th. This is several weeks without a game and maybe maybe coach jones's philosophy is just that he doesn't want his guys wrestling like he's he's got a he's basically got two bye weeks coming up because they're not playing this coming weekend they're not playing next weekend it's the weekend after that and maybe he's just like you know what i i don't want my guys out for that long so we'll see if it if it impacts the offensive players i still think it's the right move but i get the people that don't buy into that philosophy they're like look our bye week is the one we earned that's the week we won't start guys JB, let's get into one thing for this week. What is the one thing you want to see? Uh, my one thing is Sato kicking the game-winning field goal. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I'm glad I didn't go first because that is my one thing. And uh, I would have believed that you were just trying to steal it from me. I'll come up with a new one thing. So I had a list of one things, but that was my number one one thing. I was so excited to see him kick a game winner or to kick one over 50 or something like that. I'd love to, really to see Haggerty get a sack. Yeah, well, you can stop taking all my one things. You've all got right, your you, one you, thing. You've got right, the you Toshiki Sato game winning kick. All right, I'll get through my one thing. Um, and the other one thing I want to see, I guess I want to see, I want to see an efficient running game behind this offensive line. Like I would like to see that there's real potential in some of these offensive linemen that we haven't got to see too much yet. So that means that that Coleman looks good. It means, you know, I, I would love to see Ivy actually show something. I'd love to see Zamora with a great game. So um, I guess if I was going to turn that into uh, this kind of like five things. So if I'm turning into one thing, I'd really like to see Jonathan Zamora show some real promise as a center in this league. And I would love for Toronto to be in a situation where they have to look as, you know, Peter Nicastro, I thought in the second half of the season before getting hurt was coming along nicely. He got a little bit off to a little bit of a rocky start at center early in the year, uh, looked decent and then unfortunately got hurt i would love them for them to be in a situation where they've got two centers going to next year and they want to see who plays best in camp so that's the one thing i want to see a great game from jonathan zamora that's probably not the most exciting one thing we've had all year um but uh, that's that's what i want to see jb prediction time where are you going with this one where do you even start with this one mm, i think you know, I went back and forth on it where, you know, I felt like maybe Edmonton might try and salvage something, but I, I really don't. I think I think that uh, Toronto uh, comes away with a 17-14 win over Edmonton. Yeah, Edmonton is not even going to know what time zone they're in. They've got, you know, three games in like three days and... They, they it's it's like those those stories of um you know some of the rock bands in the 80s and 90s that would get um their managers to put a piece of paper under their door in the morning to remind them what city they're in or write it on the back of their guitar at the concert they just have no concept of what's going on now that's a slightly different lifestyle but um yeah, the, the Elks, how can they possibly be getting up for this game? I know that some of those former Argos we talked about will be, but for these guys, man, like they've got, they just want to get to the end of the season at this point, a lot of these guys, and to be playing the middle of three games, having to travel all around the world to do so, I just don't think you're going to get an Edmonton team that looks anything like 
um, what they could potentially look like. And so I think, yeah, these backup Argos, especially because the defense is so strong, I, I think the Argos are going to pull it out. And just to make your and, and my Tashiki Sato prediction come true, I'm going to go with a 24-23 win for the Argos. Um, and that's going to be a walk-off win for Tashiki Sato. Um, that uh, I think would would fulfill all of our... Uh, all of our one things and leave us all happy for um, you know going into the into the playoff bye. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Make sure you tune into Tuesday night's game, tomorrow night's game, and if you're looking for anything else that we've got, you can find it at xsandargos.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast as well. And if you get a moment, leave a review, rate it. It helps other Argos fans find us. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.